This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. I've been thinking about a passage in the book of Psalms, chapter 142 and verse 4, where, where, where the psalmist said, No man cared for my soul. David was running away from Saul at this time, and he was hiding in a cave. Saul wanted to kill him. And that's when David said, nobody cares about me. I have an idea that I'm speaking to some right now who, who feel like that no one cares, that you, you, maybe you lost your spouse, or maybe you've, had, you, you've lost a loved one, or maybe, maybe you've divorced. Uh, all kinds of scenarios in life that create that feeling. Nobody really cares any longer. Or maybe in the nursing home and, and, and nobody comes by to see you anymore and you, you feel nobody really cares. And really what you, what, what's going on here, you feel so lonely, so lonely. We want to talk about that today on Getting to Know Your Bible, Overcoming Loneliness. Dealing with loneliness in our lives. How do we do it? I'm Billy Lambert and I'm the regular speaker on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate your tuning in to watch today. And I, I hope that you'll stay tuned as we discuss this very important topic, Overcoming loneliness. Now, on getting to know your Bible, we offer a free Bible course. We have literally thousands and thousands of people have taken this course, but we want you to have it. We want you to benefit from the study of the course so that you can get to know the Bible better. And in order that you might know more about the course and how you can receive it, we're going to pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580. Or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. In the second chapter of Genesis and in verse 18, God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. Now, now the background and the, the surrounding scene of this passage is the creation. And, and God had created the heavens and the earth. He had created man on the sixth day. And five times when God would look at His creation, He said, It is good. It is good. Everything He created, it was good. But then there was Adam. And He said, It is not good for the man to be alone. And so He created Eve out of Adam's rib, 
and presented her to the man and he said this is bone of my bone flesh of my flesh and she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man so here was his companion a companion that would be suitable for him comparable to him and uh, so it wasn't good for Adam to be alone you know loneliness is an ever-present problem in our society. Have you ever thought about all of the songs that, that have been sung about loneliness? Well, what about this one? The last word in lonesome is me. Or what about only the lonely? What about this one? Lonely Street at Heartbreak Hotel. Or how about this one? I'm so lonesome I could cry. And then there's the question, are you lonesome tonight? And then there was Kenny Rogers saying, you picked a fine time to leave me, Lucille. Loneliness. There are different kinds of loneliness. There's a loneliness of space. That's where we might be separated from people that we know or love. Maybe you have a son or daughter that's in the military. Maybe they're overseas. And you miss them so and you feel so lonely. And they feel lonely but over there and you feel so lonely because you're separated from them. But sometimes there's a loneliness that we can experience in a crowd. We, we go to a crowded mall. And let's just say you go during the holiday season that there are people everywhere going shopping and, and the mall is literally filled with people and, and there's music playing and people seem to be so happy. It would be surprising to us to know in the midst of all of that crowd, how many lonely people there are. They're in that mall because they want to be around people. They feel so lonely. You go to a, to a worship service, and, and you would think that, that everybody would just feel welcome and wanted, but in all probability there's someone in that audience that feels as, as shut out is if they were on the outside of the building. They feel lonely. You see, this is a, a, a serious problem unless we deal with it properly. Now, there are all kinds of things that can cause that feeling of loneliness. And, and for, for example, there, there is the loneliness that is caused by strange surroundings. Now I'm thinking about a young man by the name of Joseph. And, and Joseph has been sold by his brothers. And now he is in a strange land where they speak uh, a strange language. He's in a stranger's house. But he wasn't alone, was he? Because in Genesis 39 and verse 2, the Bible says, And the Lord was 
with Joseph. There's not anything so lonely as being in a strange place, being in a strange new school. I remember when I was uh, a teenager in high school and had to move from where I had been going to high school to Mobile, Alabama, to a bigger school, more people. I knew no one. That's a lonely feeling. Think about the loneliness you feel when you are uh, on a, go into a courtroom. Maybe you've been called to be a juror, a prospective juror. You don't know anyone, and there you are sitting in that crowd, and it's pretty, it can be a pretty lonely feeling. Or you go on a new job. First day on the new job, and, and you don't know how people operate. They don't, you don't know their, their procedures, and you're having to learn everything. It can be a pretty lonely feeling. And then you go to a new church. Maybe you've moved into a new community, and you find the church of the Lord, and you start worshiping there, but you don't know anybody, and you feel so lonely. You feel so lonely. What do we do in times like this? When, uh, when we're in some kind of a strange surrounding, the first thing we ought to do, and maybe the best thing we ought to do, is to keep our eyes on the Lord. You see, in Genesis 39 and verse 9, that's exactly what Joseph did. He kept his eyes on God. And he, the Lord was with him, and he kept his eyes on him. And when he, temptation started knocking on, on his door, he said, I can't sin and again, do that and sin against God. You see, when we're in a strange surrounding, then we need to keep our eyes focused upward on God because he's the one who made this promise, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. The Apostle Paul wrote the book of 2 Timothy, or 1 Timothy as well, but in 2 Timothy, Paul said in the 16th verse that no man stood with him. You see, Paul is in a lonely prison cell. And, he, and Paul says as no, he had been forsaken by all men. Back in verse 10, he says, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. And, but then with the next sweep of the pen in verse 17, he said, but the Lord stood with me. You see, when we are in a strange place, May we realize that the Lord is there with us. So, but, but there's also the loneliness when there are distinct differences. Now, I'm thinking now about Esther. Esther was in what, what we know as Persia. She was, through God's providence, was raised to be the queen of Persia, and she would sit next to the king. But there was something different about Esther, she was a Jew, and she found out that that top spot can be a very lonely place, that there's plenty of room at the top spot. Here she is, the queen. But she learned that there was a conspiracy to kill the Jews. She's in a position to save her people. As a matter of fact, she's told, who knows whether you're come to the kingdom for such a time as this. What is Esther going to do? Well, she focused on her people and she appeared before the king 
and she was able to avert the destruction of her own people. But she had to be different. She was a different person. And because of her differences, her difference, and, and those things that made her stand out, she was able to become their Savior. And she focused on their needs, and we need to focus on people other than ourselves. We need to focus on the needs of other people. That's exactly what Jesus did when he went to the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, what was he thinking about? What Was he thinking about how he could escape? Was he thinking about calling the angels down to deliver him? Was he thinking about well, what he could do to get down off of that cross? Jesus was thinking about you and he was thinking about me. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. But Jesus was alone on that cross. Jesus understands loneliness better than we think because Jesus said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But Jesus Christ endured that loneliness. He endured the cross. He despised the shame. And right now he is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. Hebrews, the second chapter, or rather the twelfth chapter in verse 2 tells us. We are called to be a different people. We're, and, and sometimes being different can be a very lonely place. But in that lonely place, let us realize God is there with us. But then there is the loneliness of the courage of your conviction. Sometimes if you stand up for what is right, you find that you might be standing alone. I think about Elijah now when I think about a person with the courage of their convictions. Old Elijah was Superman, Rambo, Hulk Hogan, and Chuck Norris all rolled up into one. He challenged the prophets of Baal, destroyed them, and now Jezebel is after him. And he felt so alone. He felt alone. He said, Lord, I'm the, I'm the only one left. I'm the only one left. Poor, poor Elijah. He was having a pity party, wasn't he? And he felt he was the only one left. But the Lord let him know he wasn't the only one left. There were many who had not bowed the knee to Baal. It's not easy to stand alone. It can create a certain amount of anxiety when we have to alone. And it creates that lonely feeling when we have to stand up for ourselves. But sometimes we have to stand up for what is right. And if we have to stand alone, I appreciate those that have the courage of their convictions and they will stand for, for, for what is right or what is wrong. We live in a time where the line between right and wrong has become so blurred that you can't even see it any longer. But the Bible says we're to abhor that which is evil. We're to cleave to that which is good. And when we stand against that which is wrong, and we try to elevate that which is right, sometimes it can be a lonely place. Sometimes you're mocked. But let me make this point very, very clear to you. One person, one person who's standing for the right, like Elijah, 
has the courage of your convictions, one person and God make a majority. So in spite of your loneliness, you can have the courage of your convictions at school. In spite of the fact that you may have to stand alone, you can have the courage of your convictions at the job, on the job, in the marketplace. You, you can have the courage of your convictions with your friends. You can have the courage of your convictions at church. We need to stand for what is right. We do not uh, need to allow Satan to take over our world today because we were too afraid to stand. But standing can be a lonely place because there's always room at the top for a man of conviction. But then there is the loneliness that's created by the loss of a loved one. Three of Jesus' special friends were Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And when Jesus learned that Lazarus had died, we're told in John chapter 11 and verse 35 that Jesus wept. When you lose someone that you love, loneliness sets in. You feel as though your heart can break into pieces. And your well-ordered world begins to collapse around you. And you don't have the will to go on living. But the thing to do when you experience the loss of a loved one is to focus on the God of mercy and the God of all comfort. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 3 verse 4. Stay focused on God. I would urge you to focus on His Word. I would also urge you to pray. I would urge you to rely upon the companionship and the comfort from your friends. Oh, when you have someone who dies in your family and your friends come to the, to the funeral home uh, during the visitation period, and friends can sometimes say some weird stuff. But I think the best thing to say in occasion like that is, I'm sorry. That, that says it all. Or actually, you don't have to say anything. It's just the presence that says it all. But you need to allow your friends to comfort you. I've known of those who experienced the loss of a loved one, and they withdrew from their friends. Their friends would make overtures to try to help them and they would withdraw from them and, and not allow them to help them through that loss. When we experience the loss of someone that we love, 
Realize that it's going to take time for the wound to heal. So you see, there are wounds of the heart. Maybe you've had surgery. And as a result of that surgery, it took you days and days to overcome the surgery, even the wound to heal. And maybe it's been several years, but you still have a scar where that surgeon opened up your body and made that wound in your body. You don't hurt any longer there, but you still have that scar. And when we lose someone we love, that loneliness creeps in. And there's a wound in the heart. And it takes time for that wound to heal. It doesn't do it overnight. And as time goes by, you, you don't forget the one who died, but you're able to go on with your life. And then you need to keep your eyes on the goal, and our goal is not this world. We're just passing through for a little while. For which cause we faint not, for though our, though our outward man perish, yet our inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. For why we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Yes, when you have the loss of a loved one, you can go on with life. Loneliness sets in, but you can go on. But then in conclusion, there's the loneliness that is caused by the separation of sin. David was a man after God's own heart. Now, not when, not when he was sinning, but when he was repenting of his sins. You see, David has, had his Achilles heel, and it was the fair of sex. And he sinned, and he committed adultery. He had a man killed in order that he might get his wife. And David repented of that. And he said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And then he said, Cast me not away from thy presence. He said he knew the loneliness when you're not close to God any longer, when you're separated from God. And it is sin that separates from God, Isaiah 59, verse 1, verse 2 teaches. He felt so lonely. And there's nothing so lonely as to be without God. There was a preacher who had a, came down with a, some disease. It might have been something like the measles or something. I don't know what it was now. But he was quarantined. You know, like people are quarantined to their homes now if they get COVID. But he couldn't get out of the house to attend worship, and he couldn't preach. But he would get over next to the church building because he lived close to it. And he would get as close as he could and he could hear them singing and praying 
And he listened as they observed the Lord's Supper. And he listened as the preacher got up and preached. And he said it occurred to him how, what a horrible thing it would be to be shut out of heaven, to be quarantined from heaven and to lose your soul. Well, sin can quarantine us, as it were, separate us, and that creates a lonely feeling. Think about the man on death row. Or you think about the prostitute who comes home at night and, and, and feels so used and, and, and she feels so lonely. You think about the drug addict. You, you, you think about the housewife who, who has no purpose in life. She doesn't know what to do with her life. The children are grown. They're out on their own now. There's an emptiness. She doesn't know what to do. She feels lonely. Here's a business executive. And you would think by looking at him that, that he just got it all together. But deep down inside of his heart, there's a gnawing and a loneliness for something that's missing in his life. Here's a person who's living an alternate lifestyle or, or maybe they had some kind of a sex change. And, and deep down in that person's heart, there's this, there is this lonely feeling. There, there's this empty feeling. Oh, they want you to think they've got it all together. But you see, there's this loneliness when we're separated from God. Here's a person who one time was a faithful Christian, but now they're grown cold. And if you were to ask them to really, really be honest with you, they'd tell you that they have a gnawing in their soul. That's where God is supposed to be. There's that loneliness when you're separated from God. Jesus went to the cross to bring God and man together. He became the propitiation for our sins. He's the one who became the ransom for our souls that we might have sweet fellowship with God. We have peace through the blood of His cross. And we can have that sweet fellowship and never, ever feel lonely again. But you've got to give your life to the Lord. Will you be willing to do that? Can you say right now, the Lord is my shepherd? He wants to be your shepherd. He wants to be the shepherd and the bishop of your soul. You have to turn your life over to Him. By believing in Jesus Christ as God's Son, John 8, verse 24. But by repenting of all of your sins, Acts chapter 3 and verse 19. By confessing your faith in Christ, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. And by being baptized for the remission of your sins as a penitent believer in Christ, Acts chapter 2, verse 38. If you've never done that, let us help you. We'd be willing to contact someone to baptize you into Christ. And you can have the Lord in your life. Never be lonely again. I want to thank you for watching today. We invite you to visit the Church of Christ in your community. And right now, pick up the telephone call for the free Bible correspondence course. Until we meet again, 
May the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer. Getting to know your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214.